Ooh, fancy seeing you here. Hello, it's Chappie here. Welcome along to a special Solstice edition of the podcast. Uh, we're going to fit one of these illustrious podcasts in before Christmas. Um, maybe two before Christmas, actually. Uh, and that's your lot. Because I'll be full of turkey. Uh, full of uh, uh, all sorts of different types of stuffing. I do truly like to get stuffed uh, before Christmas. Um, I am like the proverbial turkey, uh, but probably one of the larger um, turkey, one of the larger chested turkeys that wouldn't be able to walk after eating so much. Um, so there will be some chestnut um, stuffing, a chestnut apple and pork stuffing, and maybe some uh, a lot of sage stuffing as well. Plenty of Yorkshire puddings uh, as well. Um, but welcome along. It's episode number 47 uh, of this rather illustrious, some would say ramshackle, um, some would say hastily put together podcast. And we did do a little survey monkey. Ah, you know, a little survey monkey. And I said if we reached 100,000 votes, I wouldn't sing at the top of the show. <clears throat> Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. Keep calm and cauliflower. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. There you go. So that's if that hasn't scared uh, you ugly lot away from the podcast then nothing uh, surely will. Uh, but it's lovely to have you here. You know, it's a little bit of a surprise. Maybe maybe you're wrapping some presents this afternoon or doing some extra early prep for the uh, big Christmas feast uh, this year. Um, it isn't entirely possible. And you needed a break. You needed a, a little bit of uh, mellow um, mental rest. And, and listening to this podcast would be sort of a fairly easy escape. It might maybe might even send you into some sort of golden slumber in the mid-afternoon. Who knows? It's entirely possible. Um, but anyway, on this day uh, in 1937, uh, Walt Disney's Snow White and Seven Dwarfs, the first full animated feature film, premiered in Los Angeles, California. In 1958, uh, Charles de Gaulle was elected president of France. In 1968... The Apollo 8 mission landed in Cape Kennedy, Florida, uh, and on Christmas Eve, Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders entered lunar orbit, and then in 1988, a very sad Lockerbie bombing uh, on Pan Am uh, Flight 103. It is the winter solstice today, the shortest day of the year, and the first day of winter. Jupiter and Saturn will appear closer together than at any time since the 13th century tonight. Uh, in a rare, great conjunction, it's almost like Prince William and Harry and Kate and Meghan making up. That would be a great conjunction as well. And a very surprise conjunction uh, this Christmas. The uh, Royal Astronomical Society says the two largest planets in the solar system will be just 0.1 degrees apart or about one-fifth of the diameter of the full moon and uh, will be a spectacular sight in the southwestern sky after sunset. And uh, for any of those who uh, didn't mail their last uh, mail, their last post um, for Christmas in the UK, it was the last posting date, so you are stuffed as well. You're about as stuffed as the tur Christmas turkey, and it will be stuffed as your dear host at about three o'clock on Christmas afternoon. But uh, it, it is lovely to have you here. It's a joy to have you here, and um, and uh, just sort of relax, take a breath, take a bit of a breather, make yourself a nice cup of tea, 
and also um, maybe maybe have a mince pie. I mean, I'm going to tell you exactly how to make the mince pies. Hopefully you've got the mince meat in the fridge ready to go and you're just waiting on me to give the pastry recipe. That's what one hopes. Okay, G yourselves up now. So, <laughs> I love reading comments on Twitter or YouTube, uh, you know, and, and one of the comments from, uh, from a gentleman on, on YouTube was, my favorite part of this song is when the sound of the deer gets their asses smacked by the whip. I mean, obviously a quality listening audience uh, over on YouTube there. And please, settle down. Don't G yourselves up. I I mean, settle down. Take a deep breath. Take a, take a, uh, you know, a Christmas breath. You know, one of those really big, long breaths, deep breaths that you can do when it's a little frosty outside. Isn't that lovely when you do that? on a frosty winter's morning just before Christmas, taking one of those deep breaths. Well, anyway, some of the things that we may or may not be talking about today um, is I never mentioned or never brought up the chicken wing guy, the infamous chicken wing guy. He's coming up today, and he'll be coming to a podcast very near you. Um, Also, uh, misfiring pajama bottoms. We never talked about that on Saturday. Uh, old people's on speakerphone. That I mean, it's such a packed show. That was missing as well, but it won't be today. Uh, turkey trots. Uh, we'll be discussing that as well, and uh, also um, neighbourhood Christmas light competitions. Uh, it is the year of Megxit. Harry and Meghan are uh, full pedal to the metal on the road to riches. Uh, chefs are putting gourmet meals in the post to keep the wolf from the door because of the coronavirus. Acts of kindness of Christmas truce comes to light in the soldier's letter. This is one of these 1917 letters. Um, obviously, the, the peace between Germany and the uh, and the Allies and the British uh, on uh, on Christmas Day 1917 are one of the most famous uh, stories out there, and uh, one that will definitely bring a, a tear to your eye. Furrow brow, mournful gaze, the fox red Labrador puppies born to be Boris. Um, again, Jupiter and Saturn, the great conjunction, first time since ni- 1623. And it's the first time it's been this close uh, since the 13th century. Uh, dogs howling at Christmas carols. How can we get them to stop? Or maybe get them to join in if their voice is as bad as mine. Um, also, um, Taylor Swift's a new ingenious song, new ingenious albums. We're going to have a, a trump or trombone session uh, today. Um, we'll be looking at that. We'll be looking at the origin of the robin, the, the, the British robin on the, on the Christmas card and all over Christmas in the UK. Um, how did it uh, how did it become so prominent? Oh, there, there's, a, there's a hossy going. <laughs> and then we never really uh, talked about the full Monty on ice either. Um, the, the full Monty on ice, uh, so naked people ice skating. It sounds like a disaster waiting to happen uh, uh, to me. And uh, also, if we have time, we'll be looking at a Tudor Christmas. Um, you know, my feast may be bigger than a Tudor uh, Christmas. I may be pulling a, a huge uh, turkey leg off and gnawing it off the bone. Who knows? We shall see over the course of the next couple of days. But welcome along to the podcast. And uh, again, put your, put your slippers on. I mean, if I actually had a pair of slippers that, um, that, uh, that still... Uh, well, I mean, there's strings hanging off here. I mean, that's the. I mean, that's how rough the, the the slipper is. This whole Maggie's gone to town with this slipper. It really does look like um, uh, you know it's been chewed by a great white shark, definitely. Um, so hello and welcome.
So we have the legend of the Christmas Robin. Um, so this is a little uh, poem here uh, regarding the Christmas Robin. I love the Christmas Robin, the little red-breasted bird so closely associated with Christmas that is often called the Christmas Robin. This colourful creature is a traditional Christmas symbol in the United Kingdom, often depicted on their festive greeting cards and Christmas gift wrapping. They also use Robin decorations to trim their Christmas trees, their Christmas cakes, their Christmas logs. It's hardly surprising they cherish this pretty, cheerful wee bird as part of their Christmas festivities, because it's so colourful and uh, most other birds have migrated to warmer climates during the long bleak winter. So it's uplifting to hear the chirpy song of the festive robin. Uh, robins live through Europe, except that far north and western Siberia. Um, as increased numbers of robins are noticed in the UK during the winter months as robins in colder climates move to the warmer winter gatherings and grounds during the autumn. Robins who live in close proximity to people can become rather tame, especially towards gardeners, and they learn to take advantage of the unearthed worms uh, caused by gardening, digging and turning the soil. Some cheeky robins even perch on the gardening spade. Uh, male robins are very territorial and sing to proclaim their territory. Uh, what sounds like a cheerful winter song to human listeners is actually a warning of occupation to other robins in the area, and robins will fiercely defend their own territory. Um, the kindly robin on the Victorian Christmas cards uh, is the bird closely associated with Christmas. While both the American robin and the English robin are both called robin breadbreast, they're also different birds. The North American robin, uh, Turgus megaritus, is a thrush. Its uh, co uh, coloration, uh, coloration is actually a bright orange, which is spread not only across its breast, but also the underparts. Um, and then the English European robins, by contrast, uh, is the um, Erythricus rebuca is confined to the upper breast. It's normally classed as a member of the thrush family, but is now considered an old world flycatcher. So you have um, the familiar robins in the holly, with the holly and the ivy. Um, but the English robin is connected with the legend of Christ's birth. On the first Christmas, it's said that the night was wrapped in a bitter chill. The small fire in the stable was nearly out, and the mother Mary worried about her baby would be cold. She turned to the animals and asked them for help. Could you blow on the embers, she asked the ox, so the fire may continue to warm my soul. But the ox lay sound asleep on the stable floor and did not hear her. Next, Mary asked the donkey to breathe life back into the fire, but the sleeping donkey did not hear either. Suddenly, Mary heard a fluttering of little wings. Looking up, she saw a plain, brown-colored little robin fly into the stall. This robin had heard Mary calling the animals and had come to help her and then come to help her himself. He went over to the dying fire and wrapped his wings and flapped his wings hard. His wings were like bellows, huffing and puffing air into the embers until they glowed bright red again. He continued to fan the fire, singing all the while into the ashes the game to kindle. Mary thanked and praised the robin for all he had done. She looked tenderly at his red breast, burned by the flame. From now on, let your red breast be a blessed reminder of your noble deed. So we come to the chicken wing guy. So walking around my neighborhood here in Colorado, um, I see lots of cyclists. And, they, you know, they're the bane of my life, the cyclists who, you know, constantly sit to the right, to the left, you know, and expect me to move with the dogs. They have wheels on their bike and they could move to the 
to the frosty snow laden grass um but but th- th- i came across this wonderful champ um over the course of the last two or three weeks here and he, he is in the in the tightest lycra one would ever see that it leaves nothing to the imagination i honestly i mean i have to avert my gaze i mean it uh, it looks like he's got a Christmas present hidden under there, and you can see exactly what it is. Um, and uh, you know, normally dressed in black, uh, he has a beanie on, the infamous beanie, and and he and he and he runs along here. He 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 is no he is the chicken wing guy. He runs very erect, the most erect runner, I think I've ever seen. I mean, he looks like a constipated chicken, and he has these sort of very odd misfitting gloves as well that look like claws they, they curl around and they look like a chicken you know chicken legs and chicken fingers and chicken claws or whatever they are um i mean he 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 runs like he seriously is is, is constipated um and, and only a hard perch could indeed relieve him so it is truly the year of Megxit. Harry and Meghan are pedaled to the metal, to the road to riches. The Sussexes are too busy in the US to build bridges at home. There's vegan lattes and a Spotify podcast to plug. Um, when a member of the Hollywood royalty, Oprah Winfrey, took to Instagram to swoon over the basket of deliciousness, deliciousness from my neighbor, adding a crown emoji, um, in case of a 19.2 million followers or any doubt, those vegan coffee sachets, as we talked about the other day, nestled in a festive hamper, were going to fly off the shelves. Within hours of Oprah's post on Monday, the Duchess of Sussex announced that she uh, personally invested in Clever Brands, the woman-led driven mission, um, to, to become, and also behind the wellness lattes that dedicated to giving a shit. Uh, co-founded by Hannah Mendoza of Buckinghamshire, the California-based company donates the revenue of food to poverty programs. The move marked a new direction of investor for Megan, uh, who contacted Mendoza trying to get uh, one of her uh, organic oat milk lattes. And the Duchess plans to build a portfolio of female-led startup companies. Uh, she told the American business publication Fortune, this investment is a support of passionate female entrepreneurs. Um, so far, so Santa Barbara is one uh, royal uh, insider joked, referring to the couple's adopted hometown. But in this, would this really is what Meghan and Harry uh, is this a world-changing move? And what is it supposed to be about? It's over a year since the Sussexes decamped to Canada for what was meant to be a six-week sabbatical for much-needed family time. That was November. Rumors started in December, and on January the 8th, the couple dropped their bombshell. In a statement, they set out their intention to make a transition to carve out a progressive new whole uh, life um, uh, outside of the institution and outside of the firm, and balance our time between the United Kingdom and North America, becoming financially independent while continuing supporting Her Majesty the Queen. That's not how it panned out. The Queen made it clear at Sandringham Summit later that month that there's no half in and half out, uh, and it was unacceptable, and a hard mexit was the only route they wanted uh, to take. The manner of last week's coup induced a bout of queasiness in royal circles where Oprah's involvement was considered tacky and clumsy. Harry and Meghan had pledged their future activities would uphold the values of Her Majesty. An almighty plug from the talk show host flagging her royal connections has uh, stretched the elastic contours of Mexit's deal to snapping point. One royal source compared the lapse of judgment in deploying Oprah to the recent gaffe by Peter Phillips, uh, Princess Anne's son, who was right, widely criticised for making the most of his royal connections in a Chinese milk advert. So obviously, Meghan and Harry, um, you know, have the uh, oat milk latte. Uh, they have the, the new podcast uh, soon, uh, Home with uh, Has and Megs. 
um, which will be very interesting to see um, who takes the lead on that. Will Megan get the lead on the on the on the podcast, or will Harry get the lead? I do suspect it will be uh, it will be Megan. And um, looking forward to what sort of guests you know who who will be appearing on the on the show coming up uh, very very soon. As I said, we're all a you know warm part of the podcast community here, and I highly support it. And I'd gladly uh, and gladly take a guest slot if ever there was one offered to me. So chefs put gourmet meals in the post to keep the wolf at the door. The best inventions happen when you have to solve a problem, says Tommy Banks, a chef with a Michelin star. And we have a massive problem. With tens of thousands of restaurants and pubs under the tier system, many are delivering feast boxes to keep afloat in the UK. Banks, who uh, runs the Black Swan and Oldstead on the North Yorkshire Moors and the Roots in Yorkshire, tried sending out their first food boxes at the start of the first lockdown. Two staff had just joined the business and were not eligible for furlough. They needed something to do. So they started delivering three-course meals for two door-to-door around York. The boxes were hit and Banks has hired 15 people who lost their jobs in the industry and took on more space and is now delivering 1,200,000 uh, or 12,000 uh, meals made in Oldstead boxes nationwide every week. The food arrives cold and reheating instructions are included. In 2013, at the age of 24, Banks won the Great British Menu on BBC Two and he's the youngest British chef to win a Michelin star. The company sends out three to five course meals for two people featuring dishes such as black garlic pork belly, braised beef cheek, costing between £40 and £120. Customers send me pictures, people do playlists, and they dress up and they get their candles and fine china out and have a date night. There's nothing more exciting than a parcel arriving, especially when it's full of food. Banks added that the delivery service had a lifeline to suppliers. When a a farmer was left with 400 kilograms uh, of asparagus and nowhere to go, Banks picked them up and used them for that week. Uh, that week's boxes. When more closures left his cheese supplier with uh, 400 cannon bears, he contacted his, uh, his banker who prepared to furlough all of the staff and ordered hundreds of sourdough loaves to accompany the baked cannon bear in the next batch of boxes. The cheese didn't go in the bin, the baker didn't furlough his staff, and has also helped the miller who was supplying the oats and the honey supplier. So immediately by uh, somebody buying a box, they helped four or five local businesses. How absolutely fantastic is that? And um, you can have a Michelin star meal delivered to you, you know, between 40 and 120 pounds. It's absolutely uh, amazing. And uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think anybody can mess it up as well. I hope it comes with like, you know, bullet pointed instructions. Um, and I hope nobody sort of tries to uh, tries to put it in the microwave and, uh, and blitz it in the microwave. That could be an absolute disaster, darlings. Okay, so misfiring Christmas pajama bottoms. So I mean, everybody is it's something on everybody's stocking stuffer, stocking filler. The the pajama bottoms, most of them are sort of plaid coloured, uh, you know, the red and the greens of Christmas, and everybody sits around with these pajama bottoms on. But let me just say this: I mean, they never fit properly. You might even get the you might get the right size or the wrong size or something in between, but they never fit properly. They're always baggy on the bottom, and and they and they slip down. And if you're if you're getting um, excited over you know getting a, a new packet of socks or 
um, you know, a creme brulee set or something. Um, you know, you're jumping up and down and jiggling, and the pajama bottoms are slipping slowly down and sort of revealing a little bit too much. I mean, it, 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 you know, if you've had a few too many the night before on Christmas Eve, you don't want to be seeing um, a blue moon, if you know what I'm saying, uh, or anything like that. It will make the hangover a lot worse, and not even a bacon sandwich could solve that. So, you know, these misfiring pajama bottoms, you know, often do reveal the Christmas moon. I mean, even even a drawstring does not provide saviour. Um, and, and you get the revealing, you know, of the Christmas crack. And it's not, not good. I mean, you don't want to see your mother-in-law's crack or your father-in-law's or great-uncle Percy's um, or uh, Billy the Kid. I mean, you just don't want to see any of that, really. Um, now, so what I'm saying is, why don't we add a sparkly festive belt to the mix? You know, get 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 it threaded through and add it to the mix. It will hold everything up and it can avoid any... Yuletide indiscretions. I mean, you're not going to be seeing the Yule log, do you? So an act of kindness at Christmas truce comes to light in a soldier's letter. It is a touching tale of humility amid conflict. British and German soldiers emerged from the trenches on Christmas Day 1914 to meet in no man's land for a game of football. For many, the festive truce had a more solemn tone, though. Elsewhere on the front line is now emerged a German commander told the men who were his adversaries, um, about a surprising act of kindness. After coming upon a dying British soldier in a German trench, he helped him to retrieve a photograph of his wife from his pocket and comfort him in his final moments. Details of the encounter have emerged in a letter that the soldier wrote home after the armistice. The unknown soldier of the 6th Battalion, uh, Gordon Highlanders, stationed in uh, Fromel, uh, village uh, close to Lille in France, describes how they met the Germans halfway between the trenches and the, uh, recounts the conversation between John Asselmann Adams, the army chaplain, and the German commanding officer. The German officer is said to have told the chaplain, I held it before him and he lay looking at it till he died a few minutes later. The Germans passed on the name and address in England of the British officer to Mr. Adams, who was able to relay the information. Analysis of the military records indicates the officer is likely to have been Captain Hugh Taylor of the 2nd Battalion, the 33-year-old heir to the Chip Chase Castle in Northumberland, he is described in the Harrow School Roll of Honour by a brother officer as being the most splendid character. He was always cheerful, the most unselfish man I'd ever come across. Captain Taylor married Mary uh, Villiers Stewart in 1907. Captain Taylor's great nephew said, I've never heard of this aspect before. It is heartening to discover he was not alone when he died. Captain Taylor was killed on uh, December the 18th at Fromel after a successful attack on the German trenches. He was shot through the chest and died shortly after. His body was brought back to the British, uh, to the British by the German soldiers during the truce, and he was buried in the small cemetery on the uh, Rue Petillon, now La True Aid Post Cemetery. Although Commonwealth War Graves Commission are unable to confirm the theory, Andrew uh, Robertshaw, a military historian who specialises in trench warfare, believes it to be plausible. Having consulted the war diary of the National Archives, the, the facts seem to fit. I'm fairly convinced that Captain Taylor is the man described as the courageous British officer who died in the German trenches. It's a splendid piece of research for an event that occurred 106 years ago. It believed the officer in question had only recently died, probably on the night of December the 18th or 19th, although the uh, Commonwealth War Graves Commission found that 23 officers had died around the area of Fromel. 
was determined that only four of the potential candidates were married and died over the German line. The war diary suggests that the Germans of Fromal were a 13th infantry division who had been stationed there since the 8th, December the 18th. The collection documents a variety of activities that took place and demonstrates the mixed emotion felt by the man involved. While some used the piece to sing songs, exchange souvenirs or share food with Germans, others spent it more somberly. One German officer was taken blindfolded behind the British lines to visit a grave of a friend, while another British soldier simply could not shake hands with the enemy. I was thinking of my brother whom they killed, he wrote, and I would sooner have kept shooting. But Mr. Edward Taylor said, the fact that a German commanding officer was present at my great uncle Hugh, when he, great uncle Hugh died makes for a nice human touch to the sad and otherwise lonely death. The letter contained in Captain Taylor's stories included in Mike Hill's book, The Christmas Truce, by the men who took part as a part of the largest collection of letters written at the front during the ceasefire. So Grinches to turn you green with envy. The year might be winding down, but the fashion set is already trying out spring's hottest shade. And ladies and gentlemen, it's green. But block off the chimney and lock up your presents because it's not mint or olive making graves. Grinch green is the colour that stole Christmas, or at least the Christmas uh, limelight. Uh, Bodeca Venata, which cannot, uh, which can't stock the shelves fast enough for accessories by Daniel Lee, its creative director, revealed its spring-summer 2021 collection this week and gave the trend the green light, literally Grinch green, lighting tinted everywhere in the collection. Uh, but the light of the day is next year's It Bag is the Grinch-coloured knitted clutch. It's a Grinch-coloured knitted clutch, especially when it's worn with the top-to-toe outfit in the same shade that open the green. I mean, isn't green meant to be unlucky? I mean, it is in the Grinch's case, although he does uh, he does uh, suffer redemption at the end, I suppose. But I don't think there's any redemption holding a Kermit the Frog Grinch green clutch handbag. So many of us are getting probably smartphones for Christmas. Um, but, but something, we need to be careful here. We need to make sure that we are buying any pair of cheap headphones that plug into these these smartphones. Um, you know, either the little Apple white ones that go, uh, or any type of headphone. Because ladies and gentlemen, old people need these headphones because every call that they make is on speakerphone. This cannot be allowed. It cannot be allowed. I do not want to hear about Mavis's piles or Bill's gammy leg or what they're doing for Christmas or what they bought at the thrift store or whatever it is. I, I, you know, I, I've seen this twice in the last week where I've seen an older person on speakerphone turned up volume and I can hear every word, obviously on both sides. Why can't they get the headphones and speak, you know, and, and use the headphones instead of, uh, instead of speaking aloud? I mean, it's silence is golden people. Um, and I, and I don't want to hear, you know, everybody's dirty laundry on speakerphone so let's do everybody a favor this year people and get the uh, the headphones for our grannies and grandpas even our mum and dads so they don't speak on speakerphone this yuletide all right so welcome to our little social dilemma corner of the show here now sometimes the uh, ai trolls out there get it right sometimes the uh, the electric elves get it wrong and in this case, I saw on my Instagram feed the ultimate survival tool, the 25-in-1 folding shovel. Now, as I said, I might, could, could have done with this the other day uh, when it came to, um, you know, a little bit of scoop the poop. 
Um, but be prepared for any situation without a backpack full of heavy gear. This multifunctional survival tool is a must-have in your outdoor equipment. As avid campers ourselves, we know how to hand the balance between being prepared and being overpacked. The ultimate survival tool that's compact, lightweight, and compares all the necessary tools, ensuring you're ready for anything. I mean, this thing's this thing's a, a shovel that's that's sharp at the side, and, and it's cutting a log here. It, it's got a it's got a knife stuck in there. You can light up a fire with it. I mean, it's the most amazing thing I can I've ever seen. The trouble is, if you if you if you're digging a hole, you might cut your foot off. Um, but it is apparently useful when it comes to shoveling, digging, bracing, cutting logs and ropes, prying, hammering, window breaking, chipping, fire starting, and a loud emergency whistle. I think they've got it wrong. I, I don't think I'm a shovel sort of guy, especially a sharpened shovel. Um, so I think the AI elves this time, you know, have, have got it wrong. And, uh, and they need to go back to the drawing board and come up with a brand new advertisement for Chappie next week. Okay, so we have another little session of Trump or Trombone. So we take some of the worst uh, headlines and articles in the week and we, uh, I mean, they're all bad. They're either a Trump or, uh, or indeed a trombone. That's a baby Trump. And uh, we do have our sad wah-wah-wah trombone as well. So that's what we're equating. That's the name of the game, people. So blood of Naples Saint fails to liquefy in what is seen as a bad omen. So Wednesday was not a good day for superstitious Neapolitans. The blood of uh, San Gennaro, the patron saint of Naples, failed to liquefy despite two rounds of praying by the faithful, which some in the southern Italian city see as an omen of bad things to come. The uh, vial containing the dried blood of the 4th century martyr is put on public display three times a year at the cathedral. Uh, it's the miracle of San Gennaro. It did, not, it did not happen on Wednesday, despite hours of praying in Monday and a special mass in the afternoon. Fewer people than normal were allowed into the cathedral because of the coronavirus. Scientists say the substance inside the vial appears to be dried blood, but cannot explain uh, why it turns into liquid and sometimes does not. Neapolitans get particularly nervous as the blood does not liquefy on the Saints' Feast Day of September the 19th. Uh, but less so on the uh, two other days. The vial is brought out of public veneration the Saturday before the first Sunday in May and on uh, December the 16th. When the blood, blood failed to liquefy on September the 19th, a, a huge massive earthquake hit southern Italy two months later, which they blamed in the blood not liquefying. Um, so, I mean, in this, in this sort of case, um, with the saints' blood don't liquefying, it doesn't, not liquefying, I think it reflects to the ingenious songwriting skills of Taylor Swift. Um, and now we do have the whole story around her song, Bad Blood. So the Thai researcher wonders if chicken feathers are on the menu and they might fly. Uh, when Sararut Kinnabanathon uh, was looking for new types of waste to recycle, the London-based art student was drawn into a million and tons of chicken feathers being discarded each year. Now, back in his homeland of Thailand, the 30-year-old is seeking funding to continue his research into how best to convert the nutrient component 
uh, found in the feathers into a powder that can be transformed into a lean, protein-rich source of edible food. Chicken feathers contain protein, and if we're able to serve this protein to others in the world, the demand was from everyone will help reduce waste. Indeed, the potential appears huge, that even Solrot reckons that 2.3 million tons of feathers are being dumped in Europe uh, alone each year, and which, uh, which generally the higher poultry consumption in Asia, he believes that there could be up to 30% more feather waste uh, that could be exploited in the entire region. Um, apparently, this is the latest food fad, um, and they're just flying off the shelves. He thought this new idea might be uh, winging it, but it, it is a low-carb alternative. There is some concern that it may ruffle some feathers, but to those doubters, he'll just give them the bird. Wearing somebody else's face... Hyper-realistic masks go on sale in Japan. A year into the coronavirus epidemic, a Japanese retailer has come up with a new take on the theme of facial camouflage. A hyper-realistic mask models the stranger's features in three dimensions. Uh, Orokara's masks won't protect you against any other virus, but they'll lend you the exact appearance of an uh, unidentified Japanese adult whose features have been printed upon them. Mask shops in Venice probably do not buy or sell faces, but there's something that's likely to happen in fantasy stores. I would think it would be fun to actually put this together. The mask will go on sale early next year for 98,000 yen, which is $950 in, in, in the Tokyo shop. Uh, Kamiya Omato, whose products are so popular as accessories for parties in the theatre. There's a whole new meaning to facing off against each other. It does seem rather like hoodwinking and a little bit two-faced, to be honest. News out of Aussie, kangaroos can learn to communicate with humans similar to how domesticated dogs do by using their gaze to point and ask for help, researchers said. A study involving 11 kangaroos that lived in captivity but have not been domesticated, uh, 10 of the 11 marsupials uh, in intently gazed at the researchers when they were unable to open up a box of food, according to the report. Nine uh, altern alternately looked at the human and that the container is a way of pointing or gesturing towards the uh, object. We in, uh, interpret this as a delicate form of communication and a request for help. Wild species are not expected to behave as those subjects were, and that's why it's so surprising. I have to admit that talking to a kangaroo would make me feel a bit of a wallaby, uh, but uh, I wonder, do wonder if these intelligent creatures would be as crazy as their Antipodean human neighbours to actually eat Vegemite. I would prefer to eat the red arse stinging fire beetle than that putrid paste. And Prince Harry is to return to the UK on his own in 2021, predicts asparagus psychic. Uh, Asparamansa uh, Jemima Packington read the pattern after casting the vegetables on the table and predicted that Harry will return to the country uh, on his own next year. A psychic who predicts the future using asparagus has predicted Harry to visit the UK on a solo trip not accompanied by his wife. The fortune teller uh, previously uh, correctly predicted Brexit, Theresa May being ousted as Prime Minister. This year suggested a royal uh, family member bereavement almost 11 months after the Duchess of Sussex announced the miscarriage. Um, she um, uh, filmed for the Daily Star, uh, made predictions of the couple. She tosses the vegetables in the air and interprets what she sees on the table. This is actually very straightforward. I know this may sound very strange to your readers. Um, so I'm wondering, does she, do you think she teases the root or the head uh, of the asparagus if you go to get a reading uh from her will your urine smell of asparagus for a year 
Oh, those spiritual spears. And a mum shares genius hack to quickly double fridge space for Christmas. The smart mum took to Facebook to show off her handy tricks for maximising space in your fridge this Christmas. Uh, all you need is some cooking wraps from your own oven. Um, with all the elements of the festive theme lunch prepared, it doesn't take long for your shelves to fill up, but a woman has revealed a savvy trick that doubles the amount of space in the fridge, uh, and it's a Christmas game changer. The mum from the US strategically placed cooking racks to conveni conveniently stack bowls and containers on top of each other. She shared the image of a now five-tiered fridge to demonstrate this simple trick, and fellow users were indeed blown away. Um, so big racks are, you know, are, are the way forward, I suppose. Um, could you get your fridge uh, augmentation or, or a little uh, rack lift to get space uh, for bigger racks? So there's an instinctual reason why your dog howls when you sing Christmas carols. Uh, don't take it personally if your dog thinks you're sending a signal out into the night of uh, Oh Holy Night. Uh, but if in your house angels we have heard on high morphs quickly into angels we have heard on howl, you're not alone. Dogs singing along uh, with the family is a surprisingly common behaviour. We can blame the wolves ancestors, says Bill Bailey, a dog trainer in Taming the Wild based in Memphis, Tennessee. Dogs and wolves share all but 0.2% of their um, DNA, says Bailey. Um, howl, uh, which most of us associate with wolves, is indelibly written into their shared genetic code. Uh, we do not mean that as a criticism of your singing, but your dog thinks you're howling. And uh, they're doing that, uh, they've been hardwired to do. At its core, howling is a social behavior, says Aaron McDonald, a canine behavioralist uh, with three-dimensional dog. It's almost like if you see a horse start running, they all start running. Bailey, Bailey calls happy howling like a pep rally for pups. It's usually a positive behavior in a dog pack. Most of the time, howling along with uh, a tune is harmless and perfect content for your Instagram feed. These are, there are times though when your dog may be trying to tell you that they're in fact grooving. Uh, one example is when pups inter inter interpret singing as wailing. Again, no offense to the falsetto. Um, this connects you with their uh, empathetic minds. Dogs have this ability to experience empathy, says McDonald. So when someone in a pack, human or canine, is in distress, dogs will respond. Uh, so um, another example of your caroling causing distress may come from playing a high-pitched instrument like a violin. Uh, Bailey says that canines have more sensitive hearing than humans. And in fact, uh, he once had a professional violinist a client whose pack couldn't handle her practicing. So if your um, voice sounds like an out-of-tune uh, violin or viola, that's probably why the hounds are howling. Okay, so it's getting to be dusk here. The sun is beginning to set. It just set, actually. Uh, so we have the Jupiter and Saturn heavenly sight to appear for the first time six, since 1623. The two largest planets in our solar system are to provide the first glimpse in centuries of a celestial phenomenon that the Vatican said may explain the star of Bethlehem. Jupiter and Saturn, Saturn will appear closer in the night sky Monday than any other time since the 17th century, coming together as an event known as a Great Conjunction. To find them, look southwest, low into the sky, and as soon as the sun sets. Uh, so find an unobstructed view towards the southwest horizon, like a park or a field. After the sun has set, Jupiter will look like a bright star and Saturn will be smaller and slightly fainter. 
they'll be uh, the brightest things you can see just 0.1 degrees apart separated by the distance of only a fifth of the diameter of a full moon. Conjunctions uh, like this are unusual with Jupiter and Saturn last appearing so close in 1623, the year which Shakespeare collected works that were first published and 14 years after Galileo made the first telescope. On that occasion the two planets came close to the sun and it were difficult to see and they do not appear to have been observed. The last time they both came this close, so easy to spot, was in 1226. I mean, what were they... The, what, potatoes, what, they couldn't even be eating like a baked potato, but potatoes weren't invented then, you know? Eli, what what, what, what be that on the horizon? It, it'd be a bright star, and I can't even eat a potato or some potato chips. Oh, dearie me. So, I mean, we're lucky. Um, I may have to go and get a toilet roll and try to make a telescope quickly, but go out there. It's fantastic and it's very exciting to see. So I've seen a lot of these uh, turkey trots uh, around recently and winter runs, I guess they are. Uh, I guess in the US they, um, they don't call them turkey trots at Christmas. They call them turkey trots at Thanksgiving. Um, maybe they should just call them an overcooked flavorless ham. Uh, trot or a dry brisket ramble um, anyway uh, the other day I was uh, taking Maggie out Maggie and George the two uh, hound competitors and uh, Maggie had the turkey trots all over the runners course um, and um, I'm sure the competitors were cursing later um, I, that's why I needed that utility shovel to take with me um, but it would have been a real bugger to carry around a utility shovel uh, I would need a sh utility shovel holster, uh, that being the practical solution. I mean, one would think that in the year of COVID um, that, uh, that we, we wouldn't be having uh, competitions to see who had the best uh, erected, um, wait for it, uh, Christmas lights um, and inflatables. I mean, everybody knows my view of the whole inflatables, like inflatable uh, Rudolphs and inflatable Bambies, inflatable elves. Anything inflatable needs to be deflated. Um, I did see some rather lovely snowmen, though, that were that, not the inflatable ones, though. They were actually traditional snowmen made with um, somebody's bare hands, and they look absolutely fantastic and very, very traditional. But the thing is, though, why would we be advertising um, Christmas decoration competitions in neighborhoods with COVID? I mean, people don't want to get too close. They don't want to touch the decorations. I mean, surely that could have been called off this year and we wouldn't have had a Christmas, uh, Christmas decoration competition in the neighborhood. Uh, alas, I do not even have a reef on my door. I am not the Grinch, I promise you. Uh, but my uh, indoor indoor and outdoor uh, decorating skills have uh, a lot to be desired. Okay, so we've gone full circle and uh, we go back to the Christmas Robin to end the podcast. Thank you for listening at Keep Cheese uh, on Twitter, Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese on Instagram. Uh, I may be joined by my daughters in a couple of days uh, just for a little festive uh, edition. Uh, they'll be uh, enjoying and talking uh, nonsense. Um, I think it was probably passed down in the genetics that they too are nonsense talkers as well. Um, but this is the legend of the Christmas Robin. Legend tells how a Robin on the night of the first knell uh, braved the frosty winter's night so the baby might sleep well. Throughout the night the small grey wings did flutter for all their worth and fanned the fire that warmed the Christ. 
his first night on earth. In the heat of stirring the lonely fire, the shepherds have it said, the robin wears with honour a breast of Christmas red. And also Robin Redbreast by Allingham. The fireside for the cricket, the wheat stack for the mouse, when trembling night winds whistle and moan all around the house. The frosty ways like iron, the branches plumbed with snow. Alas, in winter, dead and dark, where can poor Robin go? Robin, Robin, redbreast, O oh Robin dear, and a crumb of bread for Robin, his little heart to cheer. Okay, toodaloo everybody, go out and see the uh, conjunction. I'm going to try to squint my eyes and see it right now, uh, but I'll be back soon at a a podcast uh, station near you.